glory to God. And I saw in the right hand of him that sat on the throne a book written within and on the backside, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and loose the seals thereof. And no man in heaven nor in earth, neither under the earth, was able to open the book, neither to look thereon. And I wept much because no man was found worthy to open and read the book, neither to look thereon. And one of the elders saith unto me, weep not. Behold the lion of the tribe of Judah. The root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose the seven seals thereof. A few weeks ago in my home church, I, I was so challenged. A friend of mine is here tonight, Pastor Doug Tackett. And he was preparing a sermon entitled, Shutting the Lion's Mouth. And through that, he sent through just a little short text, mentioned two or three things. And in that particular sermon, I, I picked up from his thoughts and preached a message on how to survive a lion's attack. When you're attacked by a lion, what do you do? I'm not going to preach that sermon tonight, but the gist of all of it, for those of you that were in that service, it all pretty well summed up at the end. It said that you are to stand your ground, you are to raise your arms, and you are to shout like you have never shouted before. track back and come at you the second time. But when it does, you are to stand, stand your ground and you are to wave your arms and you are to shout as long as there is breath in your lungs. Shout, 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 shout. Let the enemy know that you are not afraid. He senses fear. Spirit of fear, but of a sound mind and love, and in the power of his might, we can stand and shout to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords because he has all power. I'm so sorry, some of you don't like shouting. Pray the Lord build your mansion right beside of mine. I wish somebody just thank God for who he is and what he's done.
But now the sequel to that. Not only what to do when the lion attacks. Somebody contacted me other and said, after that sermon was over, said, wait a minute, preacher. Uh, the Bible doesn't say that the devil is a roaring lion. It's as a roaring lion. Well, look up the phrase roaring lion in your Bible. Every time you see it mentioned, it's about the enemy. And may I remind you, everything Jesus is, the devil tries to counterfeit. So he is the prince and the power of the air. He is the God of this world. But tonight, I'm going to teach you a little bit about what happens when a lion attacks another lion. <laughs> See, he is a lion and he does roar. But John said, I saw the lion of the tribe of Judah. Real quick, what does Judah mean? What does Judah mean? I see the lion of the tribe of praise. Now, I, I realize that doesn't mean much in just passing. And don't worry, I'm not going to keep you all night long. If you take notes, you need to take them real quick. Because when we think, why would the, why would the Bible say that the Lord Jesus Christ is the lion of the tribe of Judah? Why would the lamb become the lion? That's a reasonable question. Number one, because of the power that a lion has. He is the king of the beast. He has prestige like no one else. He is the one that is marked by his power. All other enemies in the forest, they have to bow down before him because they cannot stand against him. You see the power of a lion in its roar. Do you know that there's some male lions, when they roar, they roar at such high decibels that they have been known to raise a cloud of dust when they roar. Hope that didn't go over your head. When the lion roars, when the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God shall sound. Talk about raising a cloud of dust. The dead shall rise and we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them to meet the Lord in the air and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Not only in its roaring, but in its rubbing. I read of one man that he had a pet lion that he had raised from a cub. And maybe you're aware of this, but do you know how lions show their affection? If lions really love their cubs, or in the case where someone has helped raise them, or a zookeeper, this particular man said that his lion loved to rub him, but it's not like you think. You think like a cat going around your legs. No, when they rub you, they bump into you. Because when they bump into you, they have scent glands in the back of their throat. And if they hit something hard enough, it forces the air out of their lungs and that scent gland puts off an oil 
that is cast out with their saliva and it's now on whatever they love. And the lion says, now you have me on you. Has anybody in here tonight had a head-on collision with Jesus? And when he bumped into you, did he not breathe on you? And the Holy Ghost came upon you. And now you have the seal that you are his own and that he loves you. You can tell their power and their fighting. And remember this, they will fight. They fight for three reasons. I'm saving the third till near the end of the message. Number one, they fight to win a bride. They do. The bride doesn't want a doesn't want a male that is not dominant. The bride wants a leader. Let me tell you something. The lion of the tribe of Judah fought to win a bride. The bride is the church of the living God, purchased with his own precious blood. He fought the battle on Calvary's cross and swept down off the cross into the regions of the damned and led captivity captive and with grand procession came forth on the third day with the keys of death and hell and said, I am he that liveth and am alive now and forevermore. And he said, upon this gate, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I don't want to make you mad tonight, but quit whining. I don't mean it's bad. I don't care what interest rates are. I don't care that eggs are $7 a dozen. I've been blessed to have friends that give me eggs. If you're getting free eggs, you're not worried about it. Hey, and by the way, I've lived that way for 46 years, dependent on God's people, and not one time have they ever failed me, and God has never failed me. He fights to win a bride. He fights to protect his family. When you quit fighting your own battle, and you stand still, you can see the salvation of the Lord. We try to do it, we try to fix it, we try to get it right, but we never win. He fights to win a bride. He fights to protect his family. He has this protection ability that what he will do, I like this. Do you know that if another male lion comes into the territory of the dominant male that he will fight with that male and evict it. He throws it off the property. Now some of you right now are saying, well, if the devil is like a roaring lion, then why is he doing all of this? You, you don't understand much about eviction. See, if you've got somebody that's not paying their rent and you want to get them evicted, you can't just go in and say, will you please leave? No. You go to the court. 
it passes through the court, then you come with the legal document, and once that it becomes legalized, then you have the support of the law to throw them out of the property that you own already, but that they're squatting on. See, what happened is that when Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the grave, he defeated the devil because he thought death could hold the Savior. But all that happened, Jesus took his flight to glory, presented the blood, and the Lord said, that's the last blood that I'll ever need. That's the eternal sacrifice. And the legal document was signed, and the devil's eviction day is coming. Soon and very soon, Jesus is coming again and will tell the devil, you're out of here. He forcefully evicts the male that has no business being there. You can tell his power by his scratching. He marks his territory. Two favorite, I read this years ago, two favorite places that a lion loves to mark because it's more indelible. It will mark a tree it'll take its claws and scrape against a tree and leave its mark in the tree. As Jesus hung on the cross, he marked the tree. And the other thing, he will, their claws are so powerful, they will swipe a rock and leave their mark, they'll make claw marks in a rock to say to every other lion, this is my territory. And may I remind you, he not only made his mark on the tree, but finally came the resurrection morning. And when they were going to the tomb, they said, who will roll back the stone for us? And when they got there, they said, who rolled the stone away? The one that left the mark to say death could not hold him. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. We see his prestige, his power. We see his peace. A lion sleeps 19 to 21 hours a day. He doesn't sleep because he's tired. He sleeps because he can Not another enemy going to bother him. How many of you have stayed up late night this week worrying about things you have no control over? Where's all that shouting at now? People say all the time, how do I know what God wants? I tell them constantly. There's one way we always, always know what the Lord wants. When you pray, you won't always get an answer with golden letters on linen paper telling you what to do. But I tell you one thing, God gives every believer to know if they're making the right choice and going in the right direction. You may not get a yes, you may not get a no, but if you get peace, peace is always the answer. For Jesus said, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. He gives us a peace that the world could never give us, a peace that passes understanding. So when you go home tonight, you say, Jesus, it's not my problem, it's your battle, and you've already won the battle. 
asleep and so am I. But all of that to get to this. We see he's the line of Judah because of his prestige. King of kings, Lord of lords. His power, all power is given unto him both in heaven and in earth. His peace that he gives to us. But then with the lion, you've got to think about the pride of a lion. Pride in this sense is not arrogance. Pride is the family. Did you know that the lions, cubs, and family, the lionesses, when they're all together in the community, that that is known as the lion's pride or the lion's family? Will you give me just five more minutes? Now, it isn't true with all lions, but it is true with most lions. If a lion has taken over a territory and has its family and a more powerful lion comes, it will fight with the dominant male over the family. There'll be a battle. The one that wins gets the family. Remember, I said I'd visit this. <laughs> hey, look right here. You're, you're not going to get mad at me, are you? Do you know what that male does when he conquers another male? When he becomes the head of the family, it is not uncommon that he will kill the cubs. And then he takes the lionesses as his bride because he will not sire anything and be the head of any cub that does not have his blood in him. The devil has a lot of cubs. In fact, some of you here tonight would have to be honest. If you look back, if you are here and say, you gotta say there was a time in your life you belonged to the devil, you didn't belong to Jesus. But then the lion of the tribe of Judah. You say, wait a minute, I'm still here. No, but if you're his cub, you died. You died, died to your sins and died to your transgressions and you walk in a newness of life. We call it a born again experience. You now belong to the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is the one that has his blood flowing in you. You are his child. You belong to him. So there will come a day when there is a clash, when the final battle will be fought, fought and the battle of Armageddon will take place. There in the valley of Megiddo, 
the lion of Judah will meet the roaring lion. And the roaring lion's cubs will be destroyed. And we will be with the lion of the tribe of Judah. But everyone that's there, not a one of them got there because they were intelligent or had money or they knew somebody or had power or fame or recognition or attended church. And my, no one preaches church attendance any more than me, but you can go to church all of your life and still not be his cub. Not because you've been baptized or you've been sprinkled with water. Not because you were dedicated as a baby. But because of his blood. But preacher, what do we do until that time comes? Well, I've talked about a lot of things tonight. The power of the lion, prestige of the lion, the peace of the lion, the pride. You are in his family, aren't you? You say, I don't get why all these people are getting all worked up. If you knew what we were before, hey, some of you would thank God that we're in church on Friday night instead of doing what we used to do. So they're just glad to be in the family. But what do we do until he comes? I close with this. He has not come yet. He's on his way. I don't know the day nor the hour, but he's coming again. But he said, I'm going to do something for you until I get there. For my cubs, I'm going to give you my presence. Billy Fields, he's sang in this meeting for years. He's not well in body, can't travel much anymore. Billy's a dear friend to me. I know that he'll probably get to watch this after it's all over. We love and we miss Billy, don't we? We miss him. Let him know you miss him. He'll be watching this. We miss him. He was, he's just so anointed, still he is so anointed, but to not only preach, but write songs and sing. And Billy, he, he traveled a lot. He didn't have any hobbies, but he, he, uh, he bought a piece of property, built him a little place, trying to get ready to have something stable in case got so he couldn't travel. And I'm glad that he did. The Lord blessed him to do that. But in the process, Billy traveling all the time, and you'd have to travel. These guys can tell you, Mike can tell you. When you travel all the time, it's the little things that matter when you get home. I got a little place in my back. I call it my oasis. 
That's where me and my honey hold hands and watch hummingbirds and orioles and bluebirds and martins. Got a few little old koi fish swimming around a little wading pool. It's our little oasis. Nothing, nothing extravagant, extravagant maybe to others, but means something to us. Well, Billy thought, you know, I've never had time to raise any, any fruit trees. I'd love to raise some fruit trees. So he planted some peach trees. And they told him when they planted them, I don't know if you know much about peach trees. My sisters are here tonight. Mom and dad had an orchard. We had to work that orchard. Yes, we were expected to work growing up. We had chores. Some of you think, young people may think you're chores because you had to wait an extra five minutes on your mom and dad to get there with more money before you go out to eat on them. It don't hurt you to work. Yeah. Works good for you. Boy, it's quiet now, isn't it? See, I can preach this because there's a bunch of kids here tonight. They're working kids. They are. They're working kids. They're working young men, young women. They work. They work here Saturday. They work in their home church. They're here on Friday night. This is youth night. We appreciate them, don't we? They've got what other kids don't have, a work ethic. Well, Billy, I'm sorry, that was free. Billy wasn't getting any fruit off his trees, so he went to the place of God and said, oh, wait a minute, if you ever planted trees, fruit trees, you know you don't expect fruit the next year. Usually it's the third year before you start reaping hard. We got about three years in, four years in, he, he didn't have any harvest. And he called this friend out and he said, hey, these trees, are, there's something wrong with them. He came out and looked at him. He said, well, man, there's your problem. He pointed over, he said, what's that? He said, well, that's where I feed the deer. And he said, man, deer's an enemy to fruit trees. They'll eat every bud off your tree and every piece of fruit that the tree bears. They're tearing your trees up. You got to get rid of the deer. Well, that posed a problem because the only other thing that he liked any better than fruit off the trees was the deer that came in. He liked watching them. So he checked around. They told him to do this. You know how it is. Any of you gardeners can appreciate this. Everybody will tell you how to keep deer out of your garden. Put out mothballs. One old farmer in our church said, I declare they love mothballs. I had 10 after I put out mothballs, I had 30. They'll say, tie aluminum pans, let the wind blow. But while they're eating your garden, they're looking at the pans like they're wind chimes. Thinking, isn't that nice? They put music out here to serenade me. Well, the other option is to shoot them, kill them. There was a fellow that had a orchard in our area and he's, he's a joker, so don't get angry and don't send me nasty letters, but he, he got permission through the Department of Natural Resources because it wasn't hunting season and they had their orchard for a living right here in the area. 
And he said, they, he said I, I went out and he said, I killed one. I had a permit to do it. I killed it. And I said, did it work? Work, nothing, he said. I found out for every one you kill, they invite a hundred to the funeral. <laughs> he said, it don't work. So here he is. He's got a choice to make. The fruit or the deer. He tried everything up. Several months passed by. Fellow overheard him one day telling somebody, he said, I've got the answer for you, buddy. He said, you got the answer for me? Yeah, I do. He said, uh, I think it was on a Thursday. He said, I'll be by next Thursday. He said, I'll be by about 10 o'clock and I'll take care of those deer for you. And he started telling this guy everything he had tried and didn't work. He said, no, 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 no. What I've got, you won't have, I promise you. You won't have it. He said, but it'll work. So he said, on that day, he pulls up in a little Jeep, has a little tiny lawn trailer, like you put a little riding mower on. And there's a little blue tarp that's stretched out over that trailer. And he said, where's your property line? He marked off the property line and he took that cover off the, the tarp off the cover there to uncover what was in it and there was straw. So he takes the straw and just walks down the property line, just scatters a little bit of straw. Walks around, wipes off his hand, said, no more deer. He said, are you kidding me? He said, no, you'll never have another deer in here. He said, you seem pretty confident. He said, you mean to tell me I have done all of this and tried everything and all I needed was straw? He said, oh no, that's not just straw. He said, see, I work at the zoo and Thursday morning we clean out the lion's den. And he said, that straw came from the lion's den. And he said, man, don't you know you don't need a lion. You just need the presence of where the lion has been. And the enemy can stand the presence of where the lion has been. Thank God. I wish you'd get on your feet and thank the Lord Jesus Christ, the lion of the tribe of Judah, that his presence has been here this week.
Jesus, I love you. This is a livestock pavilion, but it'll never be the same because the lions passed through here this week. <laughs> 